Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. He's got Ferreira at the far post. Can he get a shot off? It's Ferreira to get his second. Yes, he does. Goes in off the hands of JT Marcinkowski. Thomas Ferreira has picked up the second. It's 4-2 Houston Dynamo. Welcome back to the Houston Dynapod podcast. I am your host, Finister. There's no Joey this week. Joey's on a road trip to find himself. He's doing some soul searching out west in California. And what better place to do some soul searching than California? If I had to pick a place, although other than California, I'd pick Arizona, but maybe Utah. And this week, we are going to be meeting up with RSL. Yo, uh, we're here with LD from the Royal Riot. Royal Riot yes, podcast. Yo, what, what are y'all? Like yeah, so, Dynamo. What are y'all? Yeah, so we're 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 Royal Riot Pod RSL. Um, as far as the, I guess we're like we have a lion as our mascot. Um, for the royalty aspect of, of you know, Real, I guess. Um, you know, short history lesson. We pretty much had a guy who started our club. He was a big fan of Real Madrid, so he thought it would be cool to name RSL Real Salt Lake, and that's where the Real comes from. And people always make fun of us because obviously there was no history of a kingdom out in Utah that we know of, right? So, well, I mean, uh, you had uh, you had Brigham Young. 
He had a pretty yeah, good kingdom yeah. for a while. Joseph yeah, Smith. Pe- they had, they had kingdoms. See, yeah, people see them as a king for sure. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, man. So we uh, technically have Leo the lion as our mascot. So usually when it comes to a mascot, I guess the lion is what people uh, people seem to connect us to. Uh, it was kind of actually when Orlando came out with their club and they had the same thing. A lot of RSL fans not made fun, but kind of just poked at Orlando because we kind of felt like they copied the whole royalty theme and then having a lion as their uh, their logo. But they actually put it in their logo where we just have a crown. So I guess you can have some argument that they maybe claimed the lion a little more than we did. But yeah, man, I, I would say that's the closest thing that we have to uh, any type of a mascot or animal is our uh, is our logo. Orlando's logo should just be Mickey Mouse ears. That's what like, I'm saying. Like, just you guys already, yeah, you already have the Disney thing. Why, why bring in a lion? Just put Mickey on there. And br- that's what I'm saying. They, well, so funny thing. I, I, I'm actually out in Miami right now for grad school. So um, I, I diehard RSL fan, grew up Utah my whole life, but came out to Miami for uh, a doctorate program in physical therapy. Um, but anyway, long story short, I was just in Orlando this last weekend during my break for a little getaway with my wife and my kid and uh, got the chance to go catch the Orlando game uh against the galaxy and um man right when you walk into that stadium it says it right there walt disney world like on the so i mean i think they might as well they, they pretty much embraced every part of disney in their stadium and on all their merchandise so why not have mickey as the as the cornerstone of their logo right yeah and they can pitch time show timeshare tours from inside the stadium like yo get a hot dog catch a game <laughs> and then take our three-hour tour and get some free tickets to universal you know that's not a bad idea man you should be you should be working for the organization what are you doing hosting a houston pod get over to orlando my friend Ah, uh, it pays better Pays better, yeah. than, pays better than MLS clubs. <laughs> yeah, that 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 two twenty five an episode or whatever it is we're raking in these this year. Yeah, no kidding. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> you know, you, you say that it, the kingdom and the the the, uh, the royalty thing. You know, if Brigham Young had a Twitter today, he would have more followers than King Charles. Oh, I believe that man. 100%. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. I mean, Twitter Twitter is the perfect world where you can pretty much say anything and. And, uh, you know, you know, one side or the other, they're going to, there's gonna be a ton of people coming your way. So, uh, I don't doubt that that man would be, uh, that man would definitely be leading in the followers for sure. Yeah. Twitter is a interesting place. Uh, <laughs> they will, it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to come after you. Uh, what's yeah, your least, yep. what's your, Hey, what's your least favorite social media platform? Oh man. My, um, mine's Reddit. Hate it. Really? Reddit. You know, Reddit's not bad. I like Reddit just cause like, uh, I don't know. I don't know why it's I why it's it's my favorite in this sense, but I love that you can pretty much ask whatever you want with um, anonymity with it, right? Like people aren't gonna like. I mean, people still judge you on Reddit, but you're not really like you don't got a picture attached to it. I guess you can do the same thing on Twitter, right? You got a lot of burner accounts on Twitter, but uh, Reddit Reddit just seems a little more useful in my opinion. When you you know I have random questions all the time, and I just go to Reddit, and somehow I just do a quick Google search or go onto Reddit, and there's always some link to a Reddit post of someone answering my question. So I like Reddit for that sake. I, I honestly think my worst social media uh, option would be probably Facebook, dude. Facebook's just, it's just gone. It, it's past longer... your age range though, man. You're 25 like this. Well, Facebook yeah, no, isn't that... for you anymore. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Facebook was getting big when I was getting into college, probably like my first couple years of college because I didn't have a Facebook in high school. Um, but once I got into college, I had my Facebook and I, I felt like it was just way more like, you know, connected among your friends and family and like checking up with what people were up to and it was less toxic than it is nowadays. And I mean, all social media has its, has its toxicity in it, but like Facebook just seemed like the best way where you could just kind of like be a part of like some type of a community that you actually were connected to. Right. It wasn't just these random people that you knew from, you know, the internet waves where a lot of that's, I mean, most of the people I know on Twitter, I don't really know them personally. A lot of them are RSL fans or, you know, other organizations that I follow and stuff like that. 
So uh, I would say now though, Facebook is just, it's weird, man. You get on Facebook and it's just memes and people posting about how to do drop shipping with them and, and how to make a million bucks in two days. And it's just, yeah. it's just or politics weird... or religion yeah. or yeah. whatever's going on, whatever it's the, so the weird. flavor of the day is. But uh, right, you know what? Right. So when you were in high school, you said you didn't have a Facebook. When I was in high school, we didn't have ethernet. We still had a call, <laughs> used a phone line. Yo, we were still in AOL chat rooms. I don't know if really? you know what, do you know what ASL means? Ooh, American Sign Language? No, that- <laughs> age, sex, location. Well, yeah, when, when the internet came out, you would go in these AOL chat rooms. Uh-huh. You do A slash S slash L question mark, age, uh-huh. sex, location. So you knew how old the person was, where they were from, and if they were a man or a woman. And then we figured out everybody was a liar. <laughs> It's like, wait a minute. Bro, this is I, not a, I, I was so gonna, bad. I, I was gonna say this sounds like the start of a dateline episode. I don't know. <laughs> First 48. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong. Oh man. So That's hey, awesome. uh, how uh tell us about your podcast. How how'd you get into it? How long have you guys been doing it? Things like that. Yep. Yeah, man. And you're you're actually gonna be shocked. I'm the oldest one on the podcast. Uh you out here throwing baby jokes at me. I I'm actually one of the the veterans, maybe not even a veteran because we haven't been in the game for very long, but I'm one of the the elderman of the pod. Uh, I think our youngest is 22, I want to say. So we've been around for a year now. We actually just hit our year mark, uh, I think a couple weeks ago. And um, it's been amazing, man. We so essentially what happened was these two dudes, uh, my buddies Hayden and Stock now, they um, met in a group chat for RSL, pretty much decided that they wanted to start a podcast. And in the in the world of podcasts here at Real Salt Lake, there's not there weren't a ton of them. There was one called the RSL Show. They kind of had the biggest following. There might have been a couple here and there that tried to get started but didn't really pan out. There was another one that one of the soapbox um, platforms started, um, and they're still going strong too. But they're they're kind of a little unorthodox with how they do their podcast. They it's it's more of just kind of a social hour type thing where they talk about how they're doing and then throw in a little bit of RSL here and there. So. Uh, really, there was one podcast that kind of ruled the game. Um, and then last year, it was like a, a religious awakening while we're on the theme of Utah, right? <laughs> where uh, where uh, a bunch of podcasts uh, started popping up out of nowhere and people just were kind of like, yeah, let's start talking about RSL. And so now there's a few of us around. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to say our podcast is actually probably one of the more, uh, I don't want to toot our own horn, but we're starting to grow a lot and starting to expand a lot. So we're definitely one of the more popular ones in the RSL community, especially on our social media, we get a lot of interaction. Uh, so that's been really nice to see. Um, yeah, again, we just hit our year mark. Uh, we've loved every second of it. We have a ton of player interviews, a ton of different guests from the organization. We'll get former players, former executives, former uh, employees of RSL on. Uh, our kind of main thing is that, you know, we cover the games uh, and then we usually have a guest or some sort on for an interview, whether that's the opposing team's uh, coverage, uh, something of that sort. So it's uh, it's been a really cool uh, opportunity to be a part of. Uh, I joined on a few, uh, it was like a few weeks, maybe to a couple months after they originally started. And uh, we've actually been able to add about, uh, it started out with mainly just the three of us for about a year. Um, and then we started getting so big that we added another guy. And then we recently added another guy to cover RSL in Spanish with us, which has been really cool to see, um, been able to kind of cross over that way amongst the the fans with RSL. And then with the announcement of the NWSL Royals, uh, we just pulled 
on three more people onto the podcast team, two who are female voices, which we thought was really important to represent uh, for the new NWSL team coming back to Utah, the Royals who were here before. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really cool, man. They just started releasing episodes. So uh, I know you have probably some Houston dash followers out there. So if there's any of you followers listening that want to, you know, have any type of insight on the Royals or just love NWSL so much and its expansion, uh, feel free, you know, to follow Royal riot pod. Um, you can find us on all podcast platforms. Uh, we're big on Twitter. So if you just follow us on Royal riot pod at Twitter, uh, we have, consistent coverage of the Royals. And right now they're just releasing episodes of, you know, whenever the head coach just got recently announced, Amy Rodriguez. So they got to sit down and have an interview with her. Um, they're going to be, you know, talking with all sorts of people from the Royals. But once we get closer to the start of the Royals uh, expansion season, they'll have more consistent weekly episodes. So uh, yeah, just a lot of fun stuff going on for our podcast right now. And it's it's just really cool to see uh, all the potential we have and and all the growth that we've had over the last year, for sure. So we're on uh, we're on year three. This is our third year doing it. Oh, cool. I will, I will tell you, um, we just, I guess, celebrated 34,000 uh -huh. downloads. Fucking crazy. My goodness. Congratulations, 34. man. That's amazing. That's Yo, amazing. I was outside talking to my fiance and I was like, do you realize how many people are less intelligent now for having listened to me? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, there's 160 episodes. There's 160 yeah. hours of my nonsense. Yeah. Me and my, my co-host <laughs> and our guests and people are like listening to it. I'm thinking, God, when society takes a downward turn, it's going to be partially my fault, at least in <laughs> bro, Houston, man. Bro, we think the same. I don't know. I mean, you're this is this is probably right up your alley, but it makes me think of Billy Madison when he uh, is doing the 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 you know that the contest at the end with the guy, and he ends up giving oh, yeah. that long spiel of an answer, and the guy announcers at the end, and he's just pretty much like, "Thank you for making everyone when, in this yeah. room dumber." Like, may God have mercy on your soul. Sometimes that's how I feel when we talk as well. So I totally understand that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? People need that, man. Like you have, we have all these analytical people. We have the talking heads on TV that tell us how the game is and what the formation is and the overlap and the inversions. Sometimes people just want to hear regular folks shoot the shit and talk about football, soccer, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's more real, right? I feel like, I, yeah. I feel like as much as you love, like, don't get me wrong. I love those analysts and I love, I love people's perspectives that are at that level because there's a reason they got there, right? They got some type of an expertise in the game or some type of a, I mean, you, you can't argue that they're there for a reason, but, um, I, see, I think it's, I think it's cause they have really sexy voices. That's probably exactly what it you know, is. Cause I hear yeah, my voice yeah, and I'm right. like, I'm like, no, that I just, I turned myself off when I hear my voice. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> like literally Man, and figuratively. I just it's one thing not having a face for TV, but then not having a voice for a, a podcast. That's a whole nother thing. So, but uh, no, man, I, I think, um, I think it's really cool to see, you know, all these independent podcasts popping up for MLS because I, I think it's, 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 like I said, it's organic, it's real. And I think it, it connects to the fan a lot more than some of these other coverages of the league do um, in sports in general. So I'm, I'm all yeah. for it. Yeah. And you can't spell analyst without anal, but you know what? Interesting <laughs> fact. It's true. Interesting fact. When I, when I was looking up news about RSL, you guys mm. are like us, you're, you, uh, how we were last year. You, there's not a lot of local coverage from uh, Salt Lake on you guys. It's usually mm -hmm. the team that you played. Like when I typed in RSL news, I got all Sounders yeah. stuff, all right. Sounders. Right. That's how we used to be. And we had, when I started this three years ago, there were mm, three or four podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And now there's like six or seven, but we okay. are finally, we're finally starting to get some coverage from mainstream media because the team is doing you know better. And that's, that leads us into the question that we all want the answer to. Mm-hmm. I know you're, I know you're intent. I know you've won one game on the road and I know yep. you beat the mighty, mighty Vancouver Whitecaps. Oh yes. Okay. <laughs> did you, did you envision after how many matches y'all played nine? Yeah, we're at nine now. Is, did you think after nine matches that tough, gritty, tiny RSL would be in 10th place? And I mean, performing like this. Yeah, man. So, well, and to the funny thing is last season, right? We, we actually were expecting this to be the kind of season we had last season at the beginning um, with Pablo Mastroeni taking over after Freddie Juarez is pretty much just like, you know what head coach of RSL, you know, weigh that against being an assistant at Seattle assistant at Seattle outweighs that, which, you know, I don't know if that's the biggest dig you can take at a club being like, I don't want to be your head coach. I'd rather go be an assistant at another club. So um, that's, that, that's kind of the the season we were going into after that with Pablo. And we thought that was going to be the, the dog water of a, of a season, but uh, Pablo actually got us to a really hot start and we ended up taking a pretty big dip in the middle of the season, but eventually made playoffs. Um, and kind of had, had a some... good run too, right? Yeah. Good success yeah. last year, a little bit. Of success, yeah. didn't he? I mean, uh, so the season before that, so when Freddie left, uh, he left kind of midway through the season, maybe just past midway and Pablo took over, uh, this must've been 2021. And so Pablo finished up the season. We, we kind of gained some confidence back. We had a better run and that's when we made it to the Western conference final. Uh, and, and we're one game away from, from being in the MLS cup final and then lost to Portland away at Portland. Uh, so then that took us into 2022. And even though we had gone on that hot start, we were kind of like, all right, like, let's see, you know, cause this is Pablo's first full year. There's always kind of like that burst of, um, urgency burst of wanting to do better. Once a coach leaves that new, that, 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 that new coach bump that everybody, exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's exactly what we thought happened. So we kind of went into the next season kind of being like, ah, you know, that was probably our luck. Uh, let's go ahead and be a little more realistic this season and, and expect the probably worser of the results. Um, but what ended up happening is we had a really good start. Uh, but then that ended up fizzling out. And we had a, like I said, a mid, a, like not that great of a, a middle part of the season. And then ended up doing okay at the end. We had a little bit of a run, went and played Austin. Um, I honestly I think we, yes. And we, and we almost, we almost had it in the bag. We were literally one handball in the box away, which I am still, I still feel like it was a very controversial handball, but one handball call away from, you know, winning that game. Um, but Austin ends up tying it off that handball in stoppage time. We go into overtime. Yep. Uh, I remember. Yeah. Going to extra time and then we end up losing in penalties. So, uh, you know, we still were kind of like, okay, not terrible, but a lot of fans were starting to kind of, you know, wonder what, was going to happen with Pablo. A lot of people, there's a majority of the fan base that aren't huge on his tactics. Um, so we, we were seeing how this season was going to go. We thought it was going to be a lot better though. Cause there was a lot more cohesion amongst the lineup, a lot more fully familiarity coming back, but this start to the season has just been rough. And I think when you ask, you know, did we expect this start of the season to be the way that it was? I don't think we were expecting to be huge fighters because again, we're, we, we really don't have any DPs on this roster. We have one DP in Demir Krylock who is like a faux DP. Cause we know that we pretty much have the money to buy him down to a TAM player. So we're kind of, we're kind of fighting with a, I don't want to say mediocre roster. Cause there's some players on this team that I really like, but we're just not playing with uh, the strongest roster that we could potentially have under this FO. Um, so to say that, was I expecting this? No, but I also wasn't expecting us to be that great either. Um, but you know, where we're at right now, I wasn't expecting us to be in this spot. I think we'd be a little bit higher, maybe more around sixth or seventh, possibly fifth. Um, 
And the FO said that if we didn't finish fourth or higher, they'd kind of see the season as a failure. So as of right now, Ooh, you could potentially say the start is a failure for sure. Those are lofty expectations on the FO. Right. Uh, hey, how do you rate, how do you say his name? Mastroini? Mastroini? Yep, Pablo Mastroini. Yep. How do you, how do you rate Mastroini in comparison to other MLS coaches? Like top, middle, bottom, unsure? Where do you, where do you put him? Yeah. So um, I'm going to be fair here. I think, I think I represent the minority of the fan base um, where, where I see Pablo. I think personally, my opinion, he's not the greatest. I, I would put him in the mid level of coaching um, within the MLS. Uh, my biggest thing with him is he hasn't had a fair shot to show what he can do with this. Like I said, a full strength roster. He's pretty much been playing with, with, you know, a lot of players that are unproven, a lot of players that we've, you know, either gone from the draft young guys, or guys that are kind of just no names that we've turned into some type of a name at RSL. So there hasn't been really that flashy DP nine that we brought in. Um, we currently are playing without a six that we really need in our midfield. That's making teams really easy to cut us up through the midfield. So um, there's a lot of holes in this roster that I think are apparent. And he just hasn't had the opportunity to show what he can do with a full roster. And the fact that we're still punching above our weight, in my opinion, uh, I think shows a lot to what he can bring. Um, but I also don't think that, you know, we should give him too much credit because there are some things that he does um, within this lineup, uh, mainly substitution patterns, and then just certain ways that he attacks the game that I think could be questioned into, you know, if there's a different way that we could have more success if another manager was here. Uh, so I would say the majority of the fan base would say he's kind of the, not low, but like somewhere in between low and mid. I think he's more in mid, um, but that is where I would say most of our fan base lies with where we see Pablo Mastroini right now. Okay. So, you know, we have Ben Olsen, right? You familiar with right. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, if RSL's FO came out and said, we're going to fire Master Wayne and bring in Ben Olsen, would you be mm -hmm. for or against that based upon his body of work in DC and what he's currently doing in Houston? Okay. Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I'm always a big, I'm always a big candidate of MLS coaches who have proven um, that they can coach in this league. I think Ben, man, he was at DC United for how long? Like 10 years, six playoff appearances. And yeah. according to their fans, he sounds a lot like uh like your guy where he's not super backed. He doesn't have a full strength mm -hmm. roster. He just kind of gets like, and it's DC. Like they should be able to provide. It's not Salt Lake. You know, you have right, a massive right. metropolitan. There's nobody in, is there a Maryland team? There's not, is there? No, no. no it's, Bal it's, so you yeah. have Baltimore, you got DC, you got all mm -hmm. those towns around there, all those cities, you got millions of people mm -hmm. and they got no money to spend. Right, right. Whereas you guys, you're in the middle of nowhere, right? Exactly. Vegas, Vegas is six hours. Yeah, yeah. Vegas is six Phoenix, hours. Phoenix is like eight to 10. So yep, yeah. And then you yeah, had, so, uh, you're closer to Reno, aren't you, than Vegas? No, no, no. Vegas is closer than Reno. Um, but but yeah, that like like you said, it, we we just it, it doesn't compare, right? And so I think I think if Ben Olsen were to come, um, I, like I wouldn't say there'd be people wouldn't be jumping and screaming. Maybe some would be, but I I think the name probably brings a, a little bit of a of more of a polish than Pablo does. Uh, ben has shown that he you know, has been more successful than Pablo at points in his career. And he's been a head coach for a lot longer. So I think that would bring a little bit more glamour to the name if he were to come to RSL. Um, I don't, but I don't know. I think fans would still be kind of be like, okay, uh, you know, I think they would probably want someone a little flashier than Ben Olsen, even though I think I, I would actually be okay with Ben Olsen. I don't think, uh, I think he's more of a jump than Pablo Mastroini, but I don't think it's that much of a difference to take a whole fan base and be like, oh yeah, like this guy's taking us to the cup. You know what I mean? But I do think fans would be more excited one, because it'd be a change from Pablo. Um, and like I said, there are some out there that, that really don't think Pablo can take us to an MLS cup. Uh, and then also because it's, it's Ben Olsen, right? He's established himself in the league. Um, he's shown that he's been able to have, you know, some success 
but yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I think I think it'd probably be not sixes, maybe a little bit more positivity than not. But I don't know if it would be. I mean, our fan base, we're really we're really we expect a lot. We expect a lot. So uh, I think more than anything, we'd want to see what he could do. But I think it could cause a little bit of excitement for sure. Yeah, see, like for us right now, our season so far, we, we, it's been a mixed bag. I'm always a happy clapper. Like I'm always uh, yeah. I'm behind the club. We're going to make the playoffs. Doesn't matter what the roster looks like. Doesn't matter who's in charge. We're going to make it. And we don't. Uh -huh. We haven't in four years. It's been a while. But uh, this season so far, we're in sixth place right now. We got 13 points from eight matches. Yeah, uh, we don't, you guys we have, don't like, have. You have like two games in hand, right? Like one or two games on hand on most teams. Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. we do. Uh, because LAFC, the darlings of MLS, they can't yeah. play on. They fucking can't play on a Sunday and a Wednesday. <laughs> and you know what? You, right. you were mentioning about Austin's handball and the controversial call. I'm going to tell you what. Don't feel bad losing to those schmucks because they are like baby LAFC. Like they get the yes. cupcakes. Like they, they, they give them this cupcake schedule. St. Louis to start. Who would have mm -hmm. seen St. Louis doing this? Don't feel bad about losing to them. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they suck now. They're exactly where they need to be. Their <laughs> right. supporters are figuring out just because we're new and we had one good fluke season with a cupcake schedule. Uh huh. Maybe there's more to this and just showing up and popping green smoke bombs and banging drums. Well, and and I wish my co-host Hayden could have been on the pod with me for this because he actually was praying for the downfall of Austin all last season. He pretty Hayden. much said, uh, "Yeah, Hayden said he, you know, they were a fake team." They were all flashed. They had, you know, and, you know, they ended up having a decent season. But I think, like you said, I think they had a lot of cushion throughout the season with what MLS did for them, in my opinion. So I think um, I think for them with where they're at now is a more realistic of like what we expected them to be at. Yeah. And I know my my buddy Hayden on the podcast is thrilled to see how their season is unraveling because it kind of proves what he thought they were going to be last season and maybe what more of the reality is like this season for sure. Yeah. People ask me like, hey, when Dallas and Austin play, who do you want to win? I'm like, I'm rooting for an earthquake. I'm rooting for a massive sinkhole to open up and all fucking 22 just fall in and never to be seen again, starting with Driussi because he's good and I don't want him there. Hell yeah, right? That's awesome. But uh, so you guys, you guys are kind of like us on the road. You're not very good. We, uh, mm -hmm. I think, oh God, what have we won? Two road games in like three or four years. It's, it's quite bad. It's quite poor. Oh, wow. However, at home, I don't know if you looked at the stats this year, we are undefeated and nobody yeah. has, knock on wood, nobody has scored on us at home yet. We've kept four oh, wow. clean sheets with a 37-year-old goalkeeper. Yeah, wow. Um, so is this normal for y'all? Because for us, it is normal for us to struggle on the road because like you, I mean, we mm -hmm. have Dallas and Austin. And then after that, it's, it's a plane ride. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a three to four hour plane ride, no matter where you're going. So mm -hmm. for you guys to have one road win this year, do you guys normally fare well on the road? Are you poor? Like, should we be ready to run up some goals and do some scoring? Cause we haven't done much <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, so, so with RSL, I feel like, I mean, and you know this, right. We're dominant for the most part at home. Uh, the riots a fortress. Uh, we, we really thrive off, you know, coming to play us at high altitude, getting the fans behind us. And hopefully by the 25th minute, your 25th minute, you're just gassed. And, and at that point we're trying to run all over you when it comes to away. Um, we, you know, we usually actually don't do that well, in my opinion. Um, you know, since being an RSL fan since 2005, I don't, I've never felt that comfortable about going away and getting results besides our glory years when we were really, really damn good from like 2009 to 2013. Yeah. But, um, you know, outside of that phase, I, I never felt super confident. It's always been, you know, if we can get a draw, I'll be happy. Right. Unless we're playing like a really, really, you know, shitty team. And it's just like, they don't, you know, they don't really have much to play for. And we really need the points. We should be able to get a win out of those games. Um, but for the most part, you know, we don't really, you know, I don't think we actually perform that well away. Uh, I will say when Pablo took over, though, that's kind of changed. Um, now, to be fair, our home field advantage has kind of gone down a little bit since that as well. 
Um, and we're still trying to figure out why that is, but we have tend to do a little bit better on the road under Pablo Mastroeni, but that's also come with not doing as great at home as we usually have before him. So um, I think it's sixes there, but this season uh, we haven't performed well away. Um, I thought we'd do a little bit better under Pablo. And I think the Vancouver game had us thinking like, oh yeah, we can still win games away. But then, you know, we got smacked in Columbus 4-0. Uh, the only, you know, we went and played Dallas pretty decently. And with Dallas, we were actually, you know, pretty close to getting points out of that game. Um, if it wasn't for, you know, us just kind of having a mental lapse at the end of the match and losing 2-1. to one. Uh, but, you know, overall, I, I don't know, Houston, Texas is just a hard place for RSL in general. Like we never have success in Texas. Todd, um, Todd yeah, is human. no kidding. And I, and I, I'm counting in a win that we're playing you guys in May right now. Like usually if we're out there in June, July, August, I chalk it up as a loss every single time. I'm like, no chance. There's no shot. So uh, even though it's, I mean, it's still plenty humid and hot in May. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. The last time I remember having any success in Houston was like back in 2014 when, you know, Javier Morales had a chip in like the early seconds of the match against you guys. And I think we ended up winning like five, one, five, two or something. Um, but Jesus. since then, I, I can't remember the last time we had a decent result in Houston. Um, and you know, one's probably slipping my mind here or there, but I feel like I, you guys have beaten us here. I think, I feel like you guys won here or drew here last year for sure. Okay. Got it. We were, we, we spent three years. We were, we were quite poor. This yeah. year is very different. We, we turned over 16 new players. So we have a lot of new faces and that, that brings me to, uh, I was going through the injury report. And yeah, we are we are missing. Uh, I can't even say his name. Ufananachi Achara, a winger. Knee hasn't played yet. We're Got missing it. your old boy Tate Schmidt towards ACL oh, yeah. because mm -hmm. of a shit foul by Akpo from uh, San Jose. He's a scum. Oh. I hate him. He's he's. You don't mess with Tate. Tate's Tate's too cute. He's I was gonna say how 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 do you guys like Tate Schmidt? He was Dude, he was loved him. Yo, he <laughs> was he. Okay, look, we saw yeah. he was on trial. He'd been here a couple weeks. Uh, suddenly, our left back. Oh shit. Brad Smith wasn't going to be ready for the preseason. We signed uh -huh. an international, a Dutch and Suriname international. And then we signed this guy, Tate Schmidt, who looks like Corey Baird a lot. Who also <laughs> played in RSL. That's hilarious. Yeah. And Taters comes out. I think he had two goals and an assist. I'm okay. preseason. I'm counting maybe three goals. Mm -hmm. uh, he, dude, he came in, he did a job. He was locking down the left. He was okay. Defensively, right? Mm -hmm. Not, not a lot defensively average. Uh, but yeah. going forward, man, in the box with the crosses, well, getting up the field, overlapping, he was wonderful. And then uh, a shit, rotten foul from Acapo, mm -hmm. and he is now gone for the year. He just had surgery today. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, I actually didn't know he had a season-ending injury. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah um, it is. Because, I mean, and then the guy did it and then stood over him and oh ran his mouth. And it's like, you know, oh my, yeah, th it was a yellow card, and it, it's all it should have been. But at the same time, this guy basically walked off the street, came into a new club after being cut, and right. he was performing and it was heartbreaking to see what happens to him. You know, it's, well, it's, it's bullshit. Well, and his story is, is, is crazy because he, you know, we drafted him out of Louisville. Um, I can't remember what year exactly it was. It might've been 2017, but he um, essentially came in, played with the Monarchs for a good minute, but we drafted him as a forward. He was a, he was a nine. Like yeah. we drafted him as a, as a, as a striker. And, you know, it obviously panned out pretty, you know, pretty early that he wasn't going to be able to play, at that position at the MLS level with, you know, getting a lot of minutes. Um, and so he ended up transitioning to an outside back um, and more of that wing back type of a role, because he does have that, you know, offensive yeah. history of being an attacker in soccer. And so he, he did really good things for us. Don't get me wrong. I think um, a lot of us thought he, his defensive um, issues kind of outweighed 
what he could provide for us in the attack. And so a lot of RSL fans had a hard time seeing him sometimes on the field because of those reasons. But when he came through, he came through, man. Like he scored a lot of big goals for us. Um, he, I'll never forget the new England winner that he hit for us at the beginning of the season at the end in the death, like in the stoppage time minutes. And it was, it was amazing. So I was so happy for him to finally land somewhere, uh, you know, in MLS. And it's funny, him and Corey Baird are actually really tight. They were roommates with Justin Glad, uh, together. And so, um, I'm sure, you know, Corey Baird is happy to have, you know, someone from his, uh, you know, soccer past to be able to join him. But that, that breaks my heart for, for Tate, especially when he, you know, found some success on your club for sure. So you mentioned Corey Baird. He was also rookie of the year in MLS yeah. for, for RSL. Oh yeah. Uh, then he went to, was it LAFC? Yep. Went LAFC? to LAFC. Yep. Right. And then uh, now he's in Houston. He's an MVP. An impact player, I would call him. He's he leads the team. Yo, okay, he gets he gets a lot of stick from our supporters. And I'm mm -hmm. a big, I'm a big Corey Baird backer because number one, he does things off the ball that nobody pays attention to. Right, for sure. And number two, we we tend to overlook how many set pieces he's won that have led to penalties or goals. This guy has been a part, either assisted or won set pieces for five of our goals this season. Yeah. So and I, and I'm I'm so happy you said that because that's literally the, like you're bringing back. Corey Baird memories of RSL, right? That's literally what he did on the pitch for RSL. And, you know, I think it takes a special fan to understand what he provides to a team. So I'm happy you brought up those points because I think those are things that easily get overlooked. And that's exactly the type of player he is and the type of player that's going to contribute to your team for sure. Yeah. And I, I guarantee you, there are some people out there who would refer to me as a special fan. Yeah. <laughs> and not, not, not in a good context, but do, yeah. do you guys, do you have like any regrets letting, letting guys like Baird and Schmidt go? Do you look back and think like, man, we, we missed, we should have kept held on to him. We screwed this up. Any regrets with that? Uh, you know, I may not so much Tate Schmidt. I think we're really happy with where we're at with our outside backs. Um, we have a little bit more experience and a little more of a dynamic to our outside backs that we had that Tate Schmidt didn't necessarily provide. Um, especially with the defensive structure that we have now, I think it's a lot more solidified um, than when Tate Schmidt was there. So I can't say Tate Schmidt, even though we did love him for the moments that he gave us. Um, Corey Baird, I think it's a toss up, right? Because he is. Like you said, he's someone who does a lot of stuff off the ball. Um, he He's so shifty, man. And what I love about Corey Baird, I think he actually showed this in your Miami game that you guys had against Miami with um, Bassey, who's, uh, is that how you pronounce it, Bassey? Uh, we're not sure. It's okay. a, we, we, we say Amin Bossy or I think it's okay. Bossy, like not Bossy, Bossy. Gotcha. Okay, Bossy. So yeah, I I think he, you know, created that uh that goal. It was like a one-two with him and, and Bossy ended up leading into a, or no, maybe it wasn't a goal. Maybe it was a, a, a goal scoring opportunity. Um, anyway, but he, he's really shifty. He really is good at, you know, combining and doing those one twos. And I think for him, um, he, he's someone who, if you can respect the kind of work that he's going to put in and understand, he's not going to be the guy doing, you know, Maradona's and scissors around the player and, you know, being this really flashy forward, but he's going to be a grinder. He's going to, he's going to, you know, show a lot of grit and, and win you guys opportunities to score. Um, that's, that's just the kind of player you're going to have. And and some RSL fans love that and some don't. Some want to see a little bit more of the flashier, flashier forward up top. So uh, I think there's some in the fan base that definitely miss what he provided for RSL. But I think most of the fan base would rather have kind of a bigger name in that position than, than a Corey Baird. So always obviously respecting and, and loving what he did for us. So again, I'm happy that Corey Baird's over at Houston and doing work because uh, I think he deserves it for all the hard work he puts in. Yeah. Did you say Corey Baird's on Grinder? Yeah, that's exactly what I said. He's on Grinder. Okay. You didn't know that? <laughs> oh, I had no idea. I'm gonna have to download yeah. the app now. That's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so hey, man, I'm looking at the injury report, and like we're yes. missing uh, Brad Smith probably won't play. Tate's mm -hmm. gone. Uh, Eric Sviachenko, who came from Michelin, 
uh, is documentation pending. We only have four guys and no, no real starters out aside from Schmidt, but we, we may do with Franco Escobar on the left. Then I'm mm-hmm. going three y'alls, Zach Farnsworth, Axel Key, Pierre, Brody, Holt, Julio, Vera, Gomez. Mm-hmm. Are you expecting any of these eight to come back? And then uh, who on this list is, is the one that's the biggest missing piece for y'all? Yeah, so uh, honestly, um, Brian, I would say the biggest names on this list are Andrew Brody, Anderson Julio, and Brian Vera. Um, Andrew Brody, probably not going to see him. In all in all honesty, um, we have Brian Oviedo and Brian Vera, who are our current outside backs as of right now, and they've been showing they've been able to provide something a little different than we see with Andrew Brody. Andrew Brody was actually a stellar pickup that we got an outside back last season, and in fact, he did so well that we sent Aaron Herrera packing and, and sent him over to Montreal, uh, which was kind of crazy because I think Aaron Herrera um, is the world when it comes to talent at the outside back position. But, uh, you know, Andrew Brody has kind of struggled at the beginning of the season. So due to his struggle and his injury, he he's kind of been replaced at the moment. And it's going to take a lot for him to get the minutes that he once had. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Andrew Brody. Uh, Brian Barra, he's actually back. Um, I don't think this list is as updated um, from Saturday, but he actually played – um, in the match against um, Seattle that we that we just had on Saturday, so Brian Bear is this back. Is, and, this is prior to last week. This is the April twenty eighth release from MLS. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so Brian Bear is back. He's good. Um, and then, and and you know what? He actually kind of had to get forced to play there because I think we had another injury um, that I can't remember what exactly happened. But Brian Bear is good, from what I know. Anderson Julio is probably the biggest one that we're missing. Uh, He's our current number nine that we really have depended on to create a lot of goal scoring threat for us. The dude's just so fast and so quick. Uh, His role is really just to penetrate those back lines deep and to really keep them honest. Um, And so Anderson Julio, not having him has kind of made us have to play with two pull up, uh, sorry, hold up forwards essentially. um, And really depended on our wingers to provide those dynamic runs in and behind the back line. And so I think that's been a little bit of our struggle with us up top is that we haven't had someone like Anderson Julio to stretch that defense to allow more space for those wingers to come in. It's kind of been a lot more, you know, trying to find those uh, false nines that we have to drop down into the middle and then allow for those space for those wingers to come through. And it's just been a little bit of more of a difficult find for us when it's come to goal scoring threat. So I would say Anderson Julio has been our biggest miss and he's still going to be out for a couple of weeks uh, with his hamstring issue. So he's been someone that um, we're missing a lot for sure. And and hopefully we can get him back soon because he just provides a whole nother look at our attack. And you guys also are going to be without Pablo Ruiz, right? He's suspended yellow cards. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we got a soft red against uh, the last game in Seattle. Uh, you know, what a soft our- red, you mean two yellows? Yeah, two yellow. Yeah. yeah. So so a lot of a lot of RSL fans are really uh just kind of annoyed with how the refing was in that match. And I I mean I'm sure there's every fan out there, right, who doesn't love the refs, but uh pro, pro referees, you know what? They can do no wrong by me. I love exactly. them. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, right. the, they're the best. Oh my they're goodness. Fantastic. I I'm su- I'm surprised they're not over EPL right now with how good they are. Uh, yeah, they but... should be. Just fire everybody else, pro refs <laughs> all the time. We can and they're... everybody can experience what soccer's like in the States. No kidding. No kidding. So yeah, I mean, like I said, it was, I feel like it was an undeserved uh, two yellow cards that he received in that match. Nonetheless, uh, once you figure out how the ref's going to be calling a game, I think you got to be a little bit more careful than, than maybe what Pablo Ruiz showed. And he ended up getting a second yellow. So he'll be uh, out for that match, which kind of makes us have to tinker with our midfield a little bit because we are also missing Jasper Loffelson, which is a big guy that we picked up from the draft last season, ended up becoming a stellar pickup, started a lot of our matches, provided a huge burst to our midfield. Uh, and he's currently injured right now. So Lawfulsend actually won't be um, playing, which means that gives minutes for our other pickup that we had last season, Brian Ojeda, who's a young uh, midfielder out of Paraguay. 
uh, and he's been actually doing kind of okay. He did really good when we picked him up last season. Um, as of late, he's kind of had on and off games. So we'll we'll see how he does filling that middle alongside. Um, man, why can I think of who our other midfielder is? It's Ojeda and it's. Uh, Shit, I don't. Here. I don't know. I promise, I don't know. Joey no. was here. Joey, <laughs> right now. Joey no, knows I, everything. Yeah, yeah, no. I uh, man, I can't believe I'm blanking on that right now. I'll remember. But uh, essentially, it'll be Ojeda. Oh, sorry, alongside Scott Caldwell, and that's why I forget because Scott Caldwell isn't a normal in and out starter for us. He kind of picks up minutes here and there. He obviously had a really long uh, career over at New England came over to us and he's just kind of been a spot starter, solid dude, does the job, nothing crazy. He doesn't do anything super great. Doesn't do anything super bad. He kind of just does his job. So he'll probably be starting alongside Brian Ojeda in the middle. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of see how that happens because that's not our preferred, uh, lineup in the midfield. And even when we have our preferred lineup in the midfield, we tend to get cut up pretty well. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what you're honestly, what I see is a really dynamic midfield that you have over there at Houston and what oh, yeah. they can do against Scott Caldwell and Brian Ojeda. Yeah, you got midfielders named Brian and Scott. We got midfielders named Hector, <laughs> Artur, and Coco. Oh, we're done for. Exactly. Yes, it's done over. For. We, you know, done for. Should, just don't even play the game. Just, just yeah. three nil. We'll call we'll it. The clean sheet. We'll call it. Yeah. But uh, I don't. I don't know. It, it sounds to me, based upon your two man midfield, that y'all are going to run a five two three or a three five two or a three four yeah. three. But we yeah, yeah. Uh, we we are very four three three. Now we we shift. Defensively, mm-hmm. we will go to a 4-4-2 and our midfielder, Coco Karaski, he's a Panamanian international. He will move up along with Baird uh, to press up top, up high. Uh, but we're going to run a 4-3-3. And I'm going to predict the lineup, and I've done this. I've been pretty good at this. Uh, I think left wing, you're going to see Amin Bossi. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, he's our leading goal scorer. Four of his goals are from penalties. But he is a he's not fast, but he is very creative. He's mm-hmm. very shifty on the ball, and he can use either foot. Uh, at the nine, you're probably going to see Baird. Our DP from Paraguay, we got a couple of them as well. He uh, doesn't really fit this system. And according to Ben Olsen, he wasn't uh, informed, not informed, in shape. He mm-hmm. wasn't, his fitness wasn't lacking because we, we press now. We're a high pressing team. Uh, so you'll see Baird there at the nine. On the right wing, you'll see Yvonne Franco, most likely. He's a Paraguayan. Uh, midfield, Hector Herrera, who right now is, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it. He's the best midfielder in MLS right now. He's yeah. phenomenal. If you went and looked at his, his overall ratings, I think he's over an eight. On average, oh, good old Ache Ache, huh? Dude, he is he's tearing it up. And then you have him as an eight, and you have uh Artur as a six from Columbus. And man, he has been reborn. Mm-hmm. Artur has been so good. I so was actually, good. I was actually, yeah, interested because like I, I mean, and and it's funny, I feel like Hector Herrera is someone that you know he was he was a big deal when Houston signed him, and I think the community was was super thrilled to have a Mexican international like that of his magnitude join the team. Um, and, and so, yeah, I've kind of wanted to know your thoughts about, you know, him joining the team and what he's done for that club, but then as well, our tour, man, like that was a guy that when you guys got him from Columbus, I was, was a steal. That was a steal. Yeah. I, I was, and I was interested to see how it was going to pan out. And in my opinion, I wasn't sure. I like, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure how that was going to work, but he seems like he's been stellar for y'all. So I, it, it's been, it's been amazing to see what they've been able to provide for, for the club right now. Yeah. He's had some injury problems, but I mean, he had injury issues last year. They put mm-hmm. another guy in, they moved our tour off. He looks like he's been born again. Yeah, uh, he's he's been phenomenal. So you're gonna have him, Ache Ache. You're gonna have Coco Carasquilla uh, mm-hmm. in the back. You're gonna have, I would imagine, Franco Escobar at left back because of the injury to Schmidt and Brad Smith not being up to health. You have yep. teenage Hadebe a Zimbabwe international and our DP, one of our DPs at the left center back. Ethan Bartlow at the right center back. Uh, he's just kind of keeping that warm, I think, until Eric Sviachenko's paperwork is done. And then nice. the right, the right back is gonna be this bloke named Daniel Steris, who who he was a center back forever. <laughs> And yeah. suddenly now he is a right back and he has scored goals last year and this year. Yeah. 
He's putting crosses into the box. Uh, he's been a pleasant surprise. He scored your goal against Miami, right? He did. Okay. Yeah. And it, nice. it was, and it was, it was a good left footed goal. He inverted and he just put it right in the bottom of the Was net. that the nice. little, was that, was that the little dink from Corey Baird, the header to him where he just kind of hit that right into the corner? Oh God. Was it the header? Oh God. The header yeah, was, the, I, yeah. I thought Corey Baird like headed it. Didn't he like head it down to him? And then I think Daniel Steris just like knocked it in. Right. Something I know like the that. play you're talking about. And it was either Steris. It was okay. Steris. It was Steris. Did it? Yes. It was Baird. Baird's assist. Yeah. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So what uh, we're going to line up in a four, three, three, and we'll have Steve Clark in goal. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, what are y'all going to line up in and yeah. who do you think is going to start here in Houston on Saturday? Yeah, so uh, definitely what it looks like, it's it's a 4-4-2, right? So you have your four back uh, with, it's probably going to be Brian Oviedo, Justin Glad, Marcelo Silva in the centers, and then Brian, sorry, let me say that again, Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva as your center backs, and then you have Brian Oviedo, Brian Oviedo and Brian Vera, sorry, a lot of Brian's <laughs> that are going to be on your outside back. Uh, and then Zach McMath will be starting in goal. And and really what Brian Oviedo and Brian Vera do is they push up in, into more of a left wing back and a right wing back. So defensively, it's kind of like a 4-4-2, but then it kind of turns into a 3-5-2 once you have them pushing up in the attack. Um, but they they do have to stay pretty honest because you you have Andres Gomez, our young guy from uh, Colombia, who is, you know, there to provide a lot in the attack as well as Jefferson Saverino, uh, the, you know, the the man that we have from Venezuela who's done wonders for our team. Um, but they, they, they try their best to be defensively sound, but they'll get caught up a lot. So... Oviedo and Vera try their best to provide a lot of attacking prowess, but they also have to be honest on that back line to make sure um, that we just don't get bombarded on the wings, which can happen from time to time. So uh, those will be your back four. As I said, Andres Gomez and Jefferson Severino will kind of be like your outside wings on that four-man midfield. Uh, and then Scott Caldwell and Brian Ojeda will be that two-man pivot, which a lot of RSL fans haven't been a big fan of because we actually have a really young stud named Diego Luna who could do wonders at the 10 and, and he doesn't get those opportunities because of the formation that we run doesn't allow for him to play at that 10 position. Um, and so it'll be that, that two man pivot between Scott Caldwell and Brian Ojeda. And then up top, we'll have most likely Rubio Rubin and either Danny Musovsky, who came from LAFC and is finally starting to get healthy and get minutes again, did really well in the open cup match against Las Vegas lights where he scored, um, but didn't show a ton against Seattle. So it'll be interesting to see what Pablo does because we also have a man from the Monarchs, our uh, MLS next pro side, who uh, is in Burton Jackson, and he did really well in our match against Seattle. So it'll be you know interesting to see if he's earned those minutes or if we rely on Danny Musf Musovsky again. Um, but yeah, a 4-4-2 um, that you'll see defensively, more of a 3-5-2 in the attacking sense of our lineup. Um, but that'll probably be who you're seeing as our starters. It's not a full-strength lineup, not exactly who we'd love um we obviously have Demir Krylock who's still considering with who's still hammered down with injuries right now we're still trying to get him back to full fitness which is really sad because he's our captain uh you know the star of our club and to not seeing him firing on all cylinders right now I think has um you know kept us from being able to uh, complete what we wanted to achieve so far this season yeah. but I'm sure he'll get some spot minutes and and hopefully he can provide some type of uh, a contribution to the match on Saturday for sure so in 2021 uh Rubio Rubin had a good year Okay, last yep. year not not so much. This year not so much. Mm -hmm. What do you attribute to his downfall, and and how do you get him back to form to where he was in twenty twenty one? Because what you're telling me with your formation is you guys are going to play through the middle, right? Is that accurate? Well, well, sort of. So 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 normally what it is 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 we do play through the middle up until the midfield, but then we really we really rely a lot on Andres Gomez and Jefferson Saverino to you know make those inverted runs 
or to, you know, provide an, a, a run where they're coming more towards the center of the pitch. And then the other one will make the field a little bit wider where they can hit that switch. And then it kind of switches the field over to the other side. And then hopefully we can get some more runs coming from the other side into the 18. So I, I think what, what we'll see is, you know, something of that nature, but with Rubio Rubin, like you said, it's tough because he he's obviously someone who's shown that he can play. I mean, he was a U.S. international prospect at one point, was playing U.S. international matches, um, and then kind of had a little bit of a of a downfall from there. And then when RSL picked him up, it kind of reignited his career. I'm sure you'll remember he had the goal of the season bicycle kick um, that he had against, I want to say it was San Jose. And and I, I think we all thought, man, like he is going to be really good that following year, and it just dropped. And since then, he's never really found his footing. Um, you know, that's a lot been due to injury, a lot just inconsistent minutes and time at the nine. Um, he is starting to show a little bit more of, you know, a threat on goal and and showing that he can play the part. But I think the biggest issue is that in Pablo's system, he's kind of playing that false nine. So he kind of gets forced to drop deep and and hold up play again to give our stars like wing uh, Saverino and Gomez on the wings to provide that dynamic attack in our offense. And so it kind of limits him in that sense. I think if he was playing in a different system where maybe he was the lone man up top, only needing to, you know, provide those runs into the 18 and, and be around the 18 to, to take shots and to score goals, that might be a little bit uh, of a better suit for him, but we just don't have the team to be able to provide that type of a formation right now. And so I think that's kind of what's been his, his limited uh, structure as of right now with, with him playing the nine for us. Okay. Well, yeah, if you guys are going to go down the wings, I, I would say the left side is going to be very difficult because you're going to have Daniel mm -hmm. Steris over there and you yeah. typically have Coco over there. And then our tour kind of floats at the six, the left, our left side, your right is a little bit easier to go down because we typically will run the offense down the left. Got it. Um, now, how, how would you beat us? In my opinion, it, it's, it's the way you're saying you're going to have to work wide. You're going to mm -hmm. have to work the wide areas of the field because traditionally we've struggled defending the back post. Mm -hmm. we, we still we're better now, but God almighty, <laughs> if I, if I had, I don't know, 10 bucks for every back post set piece goal, I'd have at least $130. Yeah. Yeah. The past <laughs> couple of years. So how do you beat us? How do you envision RSL coming in here and beating us? What do they got to do? Well, first off, we have to make sure that we're defensively sound. I think a lot of our issues in the past have been going down early. And I think going to Texas, going to Houston in May, uh, you know, with the the form that your team has had this season, especially at home, I think if we go down early, um, that's going to be an easy way for us to call it wraps on that match. Not that we don't have that mentality or fight to come back because Pablo's actually really good at, at getting his team and rallying them, especially at halftime if the game is still within reach and, and trying to get points out of it. But um, most of the time, if we, if we go down early, it's just it, it's just that same kind of, oh man, we're here again, damn, like we have to, you know, try to climb out of this hole. And and sometimes it, it it puts us in a in a wrong mental space that we need to that we don't need to be in. So that that is a big part. And again, like I said, I think our midfield it's just been a, a space where a lot of teams have been able to penetrate really easily because we play with that two man pivot. There's not a destroying six to clean up anything in front of our back line. Sometimes if those that two man pivot gets caught up high or they're too flat, it leaves a lot of space in the midfield for people to combine in and around those two man around that two man midfield. And it yeah. kind of makes it vulnerable for our, our center backs. Cause they either have to come up high and help out, which leaves space in behind them for someone to make a run or they get caught. And again, it provides, you know, something on the wings to occur, especially if our wing backs are up too high. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, I think you guys, again, you win this match. If you can hit us early and, and, you know, get us down early where you're up one zero within the first 10, 15 minutes, or if you can just really take advantage of that midfield. And from what I saw between Corey Baird, uh, Bossy, um, I want to say, is it Coco? How do you say Coco. his last name? Karaskia. 
Periskia. Okay. Periskia. Got a ski. There you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you guys just have some really good shifty dynamic midfielders and, and, and those guys on the wings as well. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that affects our midfield and if you can really cut it up. Cause so far, most teams have been able to do it. I was actually really impressed in the Seattle match. They should have had all the tools in the world to really cut up our midfield. And they didn't, I don't think that's so much as to RSL playing a good match, even though I think they did decent. I think it was more for Seattle, not taking advantage of that midfield. And so I think that's something that Houston could really do um, to provide to provide that opportunity to win this match. Yeah, I think if a lot of coaches watch the San Jose and Houston match, you're going to realize that the best way to beat Houston is to organize high press because we uh, did, oh God, we were so bad against it. When they pressed us, we've been pressed before, but man, their, their press was organized. It was dominant. Yeah. It made us look silly. We led to stupid turnovers. And normally that's yeah. us doing it. But when you say you guys don't do well coming from behind, I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. We have done a stellar job at protecting leads. And we grow into games. We don't start fast. We grow like second half. Like if you go back and you watch film from any of our matches, you will notice the second half always looks better. Always Mm -hmm. looks better. And this is, this is the team that we could count on them the first five to 10 minutes of each half to ship a goal or to get a yellow card or do something stupid. But Mm -hmm. nowadays it's, it's definitely changed the organization, the shape, the structure, the, the responsibility, the, 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 we is more important than me. Yeah. No, we are a team now. And um, how, how do we how do we beat you through the midfield? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Like like I said, I think I think the biggest the biggest issue that we have a problem with is being able to really know how to navigate that that two man midfield. Especially, you guys are going to be playing against. I I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's not our starting midfield, right? It's not our Pablo Ruiz. Ojeda used to be that guy alongside Pablo Ruiz, but like I said, Jasper Lawfulson is having a hell of a season, and I think the preferred, you know dynamic I guess duo in that midfield would be Pablo Ruiz alongside uh Loffelson Loffelson mainly because he's like an energizer bunny out there he'll clean up whatever he needs to clean up he'll start an attack wherever he needs to start an attack and the man can get involved and score goals uh Pablo Ruiz is he's the timekeeper right like he knows how to control the rhythm of the game he knows how to switch the field he knows when it's time to you know to pick up the offense or when it's time to kind of just hang on and let's see if we can you know create anything through a little bit of patience and we just won't have those two here so Scott Caldwell he's kind of going to be a solid guy but he's not really someone that we're depending on to change a game for us he's kind of just there to do a job and Brian Ojeda is still trying to find his footing in this league and trying to figure out what he's good at and what he's not good at so I think this midfield, like I said, it's wide open for you guys. I think it's going to require a lot of help from Jefferson Saverino and Andres Gomez to make sure that they're helping kind of come a little bit more inside to help, you know, create that block in the midfield against yeah. any opposing attack. Um, and it's going to depend a lot on Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva to make the right decisions on when to come up and be on, you know, the backs of that num- your number nine, whether that's Corey Baird, whoever else is, you know, trying to penetrate that back line making sure that they're trying to, you know, destroy anything coming that way, but doing it smartly where they're not, you know, missing a ball or, 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 you know, not pulling on the offside line where that's going to create an opportunity for you guys to attack on us. So uh, I I would say that's, that's the biggest way that I can see you guys winning this game. And it's not far fetched for you guys to do it at all. Um, And, you know, as far as, as far as our strengths. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And as far as us, I think, I think if we can control that midfield, if if Scott Caldwell and and Brian Ojeda can just kind of really hunker down and make sure that they're communicating and that we at least have some organization in that midfield and we can have Gomez and Saverino coming back and helping out. Um, as long as we get Gomez and Saverino helping out, but also heavily involved in the attack, we can win this game because when Saverino and Gomez are on, it's 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 a it's a disaster to have to try and defend against. They're so fast. 
They're so shifty. The way they combine with each other in the forwards when they're on, it's incredible. And I think it's what gets RSL fans so excited. Now, the consistency is where we're starting to lack there. We want to see it a little bit more often, but we're kind of on a run where we're starting to see better performance than we were at the beginning of the season. So I think that's the only thing that has fans kind of giving a little bit of hope that maybe something can happen in Houston is what Jefferson Savarino and Andres Gomez have been able to do on the wings. And especially when they pinch in and are able to combine with those nines, it it, it really gives the defenders a really hard time from what we've seen in, in previous matches. So. Yeah, see, from what you're telling me, um, I, I I don't ever feel this confident going into mm-hmm. a Dynamo match because of years of trauma, okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> but if you guys run a two-man midfield and we run that three, mm-hmm. I, I really don't see a way for y'all to beat us unless you beat us on the counter. Mm-hmm. Because, our, man, our, our midfield and our back line, they are stacked. And when we get the lead, we are going to put 11 behind the ball. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're still going to play offense. Like, we still move forward. And uh, yeah. On our club, the key to stopping Houston is stopping Ache Ache because mm-hmm. he is, we run it through him. He touches the ball, ready for this, twice as much as the next guy. Wow. So we are going to run everything through Hector. Uh, so yep. he's the one you got to keep an eye on. After him, mm-hmm. they're, they're, nobody's really great, but they're all kind of good at the thing that they do. Yeah. You know, uh, the only thing that we really lack is a true goal scorer because our, our our one true goal scorer is on the bench because he doesn't fit the system and, or he shows that for, is that Ferreira? But yeah, he showed up out of shape apparently and he doesn't fit it. He's not a presser. He's, he's a traditional, um, I kind of, he's, he kind of seems like a target man to me Mm -hmm. because he can do a lot with his back to goal. Yeah. He's not a pacey player. He's not, not even close to Baird speed, not even close. Uh Um, but he, he does some good things. The problem is off the ball. He is about as useful as nipples on a breastplate. (laughs) <laughs> he doesn't yeah. do much and it sounds to me like we need to worry about Savarino and I know that name which means he's good because if I know right. the name they're a good player right and Andres Gomez is the other one those are the guys Andres, Andres Gomez 20 year old man he he's still trying to like really establish himself but he the things that he's doing at a, as a 20 year old and his first like nine games in the league it's incredible so I I he is someone where obviously he's still trying to you know play at his best but He's provided a lot of good attacking prowess to RSL and and defenders have to worry about him for sure. It's funny that you brought up the high press too, because Pablo actually really believes in an organized high press. And you tend to see that a lot uh, from RSL. Now, the the only issue I have, again, is a lot of that high press also comes from Pablo Ruiz and Jasper Loffelson. So it'll be interesting to see how Scott Caldwell and Brian Ojeda fare with that high press and if it's as organized as normal with our team so i'm actually now that you brought that up i'm interested to see how rsl navigates that because that's been a huge thing of pablo is is just really high pressing teams and we actually did a really good job with that with seattle where it caused them to not be able to be as dynamic in their attack because you know as soon as they got the ball there was someone on them and they had to you know make quick decisions and it led to errors and uh so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out it's also going to be interesting because it's 85 degrees and it's going to probably be about 70 to 80% humidity. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, well, uh, that'll last running, like 20 minutes then maybe. <laughs> yeah. Running the high press and that it is difficult, but uh, yeah. So yeah. you guys have new ownership. Is this true? Yeah. 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 So uh, we have David Blitzer from the 76ers. I think he also earns new, the New Jersey red devils and he owns a piece of crystal palace across the pond over there. Oh, and just, then- they're, they're, they're just the devils. Oh, just the devils. I'm, I'm from Jersey, man. Yeah, they're oh, just the devils. They just that accent doesn't sound like a Jersey accent. What are you talking about? You lying oh, to me? You know what? That's only because I haven't <laughs> had my coffee and I, there's no water. Oh, all right, all right, all right. And I'll then, you that. know, the Houston Dash, they won that uh, that, that tournament earlier yeah, last year. What was that thing called? MLS is back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or the, the, the was it the Challenge Cup? You mean Houston yeah, Dash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Challenge Cup. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, my, my accent, I, I moved out of Jersey in 2000, moved to Arizona, lived out by you. Gotcha. Lived, yeah. Lived in Vegas. Uh, uh-huh. Now my accent's pretty much gone aside from when I'm drinking angry or say certain words. That's it. <laughs> oh, love the, love those joys. Is it, is it joysy? Joysy Nobody, accents? Yeah. But nobody says that except for people that think that that's how we say it. We just call it Jersey. <laughs> Well, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. No, but I, uh, you, you know, and I, about 300 million other people. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I think, oh, what was that? I was just going to ask. What was the question that you asked? I'm sorry. I'm already spacing on it. So um, with the new ownership, do you expect culture change oh. or, or do you guys think you're going to retain the, you know, the small but gritty identity of RSL? Yeah, yeah. So um, like I said, David Blitzer picked up uh, a big majority of the club. And then we also have Ryan Smith who picked up another minority stake, which he owns the Utah Jazz. And he's kind of the local tie to the 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 club. But uh, I think, you know, there's been promise. There's been promise that they want to, you know, compete for championships. I think um, they kind of hinted at, you know, it's not going to be something where we're, you know, just spending oodles of cash the first year. And that was, you know, um, evident as in, you know, we didn't really spend a lot of money last season. But this season, um, there still wasn't a ton of money spent. We But we did get Andres Gomez, which was our highest uh, transfer record ever. It was $4 million, which is, is kind of sad. Is that Premier League Andres Gomez, the one that broke his leg? No, 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 no. This is he's from. No, no, yeah, he's from Milanarios. He played in Brazil, um, in the Brazilian league. Um, and we, he's like I said, he's twenty years old, young dude. Um, but no, yeah, that's a, that's a different Andres Gomez. Uh, but he, but yeah, so we, we, he's our our most highest transfer that we've had, four million. Um, other than that, though, they haven't shown a ton, and and I think what we're starting to see is is this team you know, missing out on DPs. Like I said, we don't have any DPs at the moment. We have Jefferson Savarino and then Demir Krylock, like I said, a faux DP who we're going to buy down with Tam eventually this summer transfer window. I think the writing's on the wall there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this summer. I think once this summer transfer window passes, if we still don't have a DP number nine or even like a DP number six, which are the two positions I think we desperately need for this team to have success this season and make the playoffs, uh, there'll be a lot more fans up in arms about what this ownership is trying to do. Uh, but you know, like they said, they, they promised that there would be things done in small steps, which eventually would lead to bigger steps. They've done a lot with stadium renovation. It sounds like they've done a lot with the culture change at the club after what had gone on previously in the club. And so those are good things that we've seen as of late and good things that we hope that continue. But now we want to start seeing the on-field products that this ownership can bring. And hopefully that happens this summer transfer window, because if not, a lot of questions are going to start getting asked of this FO of this, you know, manager and Pablo Mastroini as well. And then what exactly ownership is trying to do with this club. So, yeah, you guys, you sound a lot like us. Like you had a rough spell, new Mm -hmm. owner comes in, he renovates the stadium. Ours did that. He put an analytics department, put money in the Academy. He spent money on our largest transfer. He brought in Ache Ache. So what I would say for your supporters is, is time, give them time because, you know, we've been, we've been starved for success here for years and it doesn't happen overnight folks. I know people are like, Mm. yeah, it can look at uh, fucking Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, big difference. If you had Ronaldo or Messi come in, that's one thing, right? You have to give it time and you have to build it the right way from the ground up like certain clubs like Philadelphia have done. Mm-hmm. And yes. even though I, even though I don't like them, FC Dallas, <laughs> I don't like yeah. them, but mm-hmm. they have done it as well. So, um, so, man, I'm looking at these standings and we have a goal differential of plus three. Is that yes. right? Plus two? Yep. I think oh, it's yeah. two. Plus two, 10 two. goals and eight allowed. You yep. guys also have 10 goals, but you have this phenomenal, phenomenal number of 17 goals allowed, which is second worst right. in MLS. Dude, why is that? Is it, is it, your goalkeeper is it the transition defense is it poor marking what how have you let up that many goals 
Yeah, and and I think, like I said, the last few matches, we've shored up a lot on our defense, and I think we've done a lot better at, at not bleeding goals in. Our defense still needs a little work. I think what happens is we get into these mental lapses, and that's what ends up you know, leading to our demise with other teams scoring on us. But really what it was, it was the beginning of the season. We had the two back-to-back 4-0 losses against St. Louis and against Columbus. Um, I think there was another game in there where we got smacked i can't remember like right a now three but one or something then there was a yeah something something too, of that nature so so it was just kind of this this trend that we were on where i think it was like a we were on a four game losing streak and and the team's like just mental space wasn't right um and and, and those four games just really it just really killed us uh but like i said i think the last few matches we've shown you know we've had a couple three one victories uh we only lost two one to dallas we kept a zero zero uh draw against first place seattle with a so red I, card with a red card with a red card yeah it, i mean it was later stage of the game um not true, much time true, left, true, but yeah, yeah but nonetheless nonetheless they could have taken advantage of that still you guys so, outplayed them too look at the stat sheet you guys outplayed them yeah we did decent i i honestly think we did a decent job with them um i, I mean in my opinion they resorted to a lot of you know which a lot of away teams will do just time wasting you know um so we'll it, it was i think it was a good result for us even at home but I think, like I said, we're on a trend now where those goals are are starting to be less that are scored on us. Our our defensive, you know, structure is starting to be a little bit more maintained. The midfielder, two-man pivot knows kind of what they need to do defensively as well. Um, Gomez and Savarino are helping out a lot more. And a lot of our number nines are starting to drop back and, and help out in defense more. So I think there is a lot more um, solidarity on, on the defensive side of things. And, and things are just starting to be a lot more communicated amongst the line uh back line and just throughout the roster as well so i think pablo's done a good job with that we hope that that can continues to be seen and and we'll see what happens this saturday at houston all right now i got a, i got a listener question I, I don't know if this is for me or for you all right they spelled it wrong number one yeah but <laughs> i want you to pronounce this word i'm going to spell it out and i'll type it in the chat so you can perfect see. uh correctly spelled it's c-a-r-a-m-e-l how do you say that word let's see let me pull this up here because I say caramel. Okay, okay. I I <laughs> I say caramel. Ah, uh, and I that's make how he spelled people. it. He spelled well, it caramel. It's like that's not how you spell it, bro. Well, I and, and I don't know. Like I'm not gonna lie. I never use caramel. I never say that. Uh, and I think I don't know. I it just kind of not. It's not like icky. It doesn't give me the ick when someone says it, but it just feels so like extra when someone says caramel. Like caramel, just get it done faster if you say it that way, right? What about know, when, right. what about when somebody says moist? Ugh, that just you don't like that one. That just that just needs to have the right context behind it for you to say it. You know what I mean? Like if you close your eyes and you say the word moist, <laughs> in my oh. mind the first thing I see is like a damp sponge sitting on the kitchen counter. What do you say? Um, I mean, I know you said this is a whatever goes podcast, but I think of other things when I think of moist. Uh, what about what about a moist sponge cake? That sounds Ooh. that sounds like what comes up in my mind. It sounds better than a dry sponge cake. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, because I'll be honest, if I had to pick moist or dry, I'm picking moist every time. Moist is the way to go. And moist uh, is the way to go. So, so you have you have a kid, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one. Uh, oh, dude's cool. just learning how to walk now. Uh, I'm teaching him how to kick the ball into the goal already. So he's already impressing me with that. Um, I played I played up uh into college the college level. Nothing huge. Uh, it was just a you know it wasn't D two. It was kind of like a D one double A ish kind of team out in Utah called the Weber State. Damian Lillard played for them. If no one had heard of him, Weber State. Uh, I, I've heard of Weber State. I know. Uh, God Almighty, somebody I coached with went to Weber State. Uh-huh. I get oh, cool. Older. I can't remember who, man, but yeah, somebody I coached with, I used to coach football and baseball here in Texas and they went to Weber State. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually, I actually kicked for the football team at Weber State for a year, played uh, some soccer there for the last few years of my, of my college career. Uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm a big soccer fan. Love it. I watch all the leagues, um, have 
teams in each one. I watch my international teams. I'm El Salvadorian, so I follow the Salvadorian national team very heavily, as well as the U.S. men's team. Uh, and yeah, so my my son is just always uh, surrounded by soccer as much as my wife loves it. You know, she uh, she's yeah. she's a fan when she wants to be, but uh, sometimes it's too much, and I agree with her. So uh, yeah, but he loves it, and so we're already starting to kick the ball into the back of the goal, and and he's loving it. So uh, it's been really fun, man, being a dad. He's just he brings a lot of uh, a lot of energy into my life, especially while I'm in grad school. So. Yeah, we had your boy Darwin Saren here for years, but you know we're talking we're talking about oh, kids. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Darwin Saren, man, he's 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 an El Salvadorian legend. I'm kind of sad he's not really in the in the in the works of the roster anymore. He's kind of you know we have Hugo Perez who I think he's done a fantastic job with El Salvador. Um, I, I'm scared that the U.S. men's team is going to eventually take him away from the El Salvadorian national team, or even maybe like an MLS club will call him calling for his name soon because that guy that guy has it, man. He he knows what he's doing, so. Um, yeah, I don't think a, anybody should want to coach the U.S. men's team at this point. As, as, as uh, is it, it's so no, messy, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it so well, messy. Yeah, and it's not the good messy; it's the messy that you don't want. Yeah, exactly. It's not the inner Miami <laughs> messy. It's like it's like the, <laughs> yeah, it's the messy that I'm, I'm about to tell you a quick story about kids. So I'm at yes. my fiance's house, right? Uh huh. And she made pot roast for dinner. So I went to the downstairs, the boys' bathroom. Okay, mm-hmm. and I, I go pee, and I'm walking out, and I step on something. I think, oh man, it feels like a potato. Feels like somebody dropped a, a, oh, no. a warm, moist <laughs> potato on the shower rug. So uh, without looking, I just lift my foot up and I just scrape my hand over it. Uh, I go, man, that that's that's it's kind of mushy. It doesn't feel like a potato. And I look down and it's shit. Oh my god! Yeah, the four-year-old somehow, some way, uh, got a nugget of turd <laughs> on the shower on the shower mat. And I mean, dude, like it was, it was under my fingernails. It, I had to wash my hands like six or seven times. It was, it was, it was gross. Yeah. Well, and when it's not even your own kid, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like th- those things are still kind of gross when you have your own kid, but you kind of get used to it. And when it's yeah. your own, you know, flesh and blood, you're kind of like, all right. Like, yeah, cause it's basically gross. my poop. It's like, yo, I know it came out yeah. of you, but it's half mine. It's half mine. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So like, so like, you know, you can kind of get past the ick with that, but man, when it's someone else's kid, I, I can't do it. Like I I've had to babysit and sometimes change diapers after I've had a kid. Right. So I should be well accustomed to it. And it's just different, man. I'm just like, so grossed out. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do this. And it's just, it's just not a fun thing. So I, I, I'd be freaking out just as much as you were for sure. That's, that's nothing anyone wants to run into. Yeah. It had, it had the texture of like warm, soft serve ice cream. <laughs> if you can imagine, but uh, I can't imagine that <laughs> LD we are, we are at the end. So why don't you tell the people where they can locate Royal riot at? Yeah, man. So if you go onto our Twitter, that's like kind of where our biggest following where we make the most noises uh, at Royal Riot Pod. Uh, Go on there. You can go ahead and see my at there. It's at at Golasso14 if you want to check that out. And then we have a few other who are part of the crew that cover RSL, um, Hayden, Stockton, and Eli. Um, You can see their ats on there as well, as well as all the other people that help us out as far as the Spanish side for RSL and Royals coverage. Um, We release episodes weekly. We're always inviting people uh, onto the pod. So we, uh, you know, are super excited to, and I think we need to set something up where we have you come on the next time we play Houston, because you've been an outstanding, uh, person to, you know, be a part of with this podcast, man. You, you guys are doing a good job. I actually looked you up on Twitter and it's amazing the amount of following you have, even in just three years that it takes a lot of work. I've learned to see really what it takes to grow a following and and get exposure as a podcast. And you guys are, you guys are doing it the right way. And I can see you're making a lot of noise uh, on social media and and in the Houston fan base. So just really good job with what you're doing for sure. And I'm I'm really appreciative that you had me on and had this opportunity to speak about RSL versus Houston. Yeah, no problem. And if it wasn't for some of our controversial takes, we'd have a lot more followers. (laughs) But uh, that happens though. Man, you know what? Something else gross just happened. I picked my foot up and one of the boys left a frigging bandaid on the ground. Oh, 
dude that's dude, like you gotta, you gotta start yeah you yeah. gotta start you gotta start maintaining a stricter environment around there man i'm gonna tell her like get your kids in line <laughs> no more band-aids and poop on the floor yeah that's a no-no but yeah man you know it is it's a lot of work with the podcast and what what i will say is uh instagram pays dividends more than twitter Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really focus on Insta because the market for Twitter, the Twitter market is like one eighth the size of Facebook and Insta. Well, yeah. so really, really focus on that. And when we sign off, I'll, I'll, I'll type a couple of things in there for you guys can try out and check out and see if you like them. But you know, with, with Elon taking over Twitter, he's, he's gotten rid of a couple of things and he's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Him. He's, he's, yeah. Twitter, Twitter's a whole nother thing now. So, and, and we actually just started an Instagram. Uh, that's actually, a big reason we added another guy, uh, Jimmy, who he's in charge of the Spanish coverage, but he's also going to get into the Instagram side of things. So we just started that. Um, it's obviously super new and we're, we're going to start getting coverage up on there, but that's definitely a way that we want to start leaning um, with our interaction with the fans. So yeah, man, I, I'm excited to, to get that rolling and, and hopefully we can get some more exposure that way. Yeah, man. Well, hey, it was great having you. you this is a pretty good conversation. Not going to lie. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a good time. I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, boys and girls that are listening, go out there, find the Royal Riot. Follow my boy, LD. Go listen to their shit. Uh, like, share, rate, review, and subscribe to us. And you can like, share, rate, and review, and subscribe to them. But don't do it for any other Houston podcast. We're selfish here. <laughs> um, uh, LD, once again, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. And uh, Hey, let's get one last thing. Yeah. I predict, you ready for this? 3-0 okay. Houston Dynamo victory. What do you got? Oof, oof. Not giving us a chance, huh? Nope, I'm spanking um, you. We're spanking you up and down for 90 minutes. <laughs> you know what? Like I said, I, I just never have a good feeling when we go to Texas, whenever we get out of there with any type of a result, I find it a miracle, but I got to lead to my optimistic side or I'll kill myself for guessing anything more negative than that. So I'm going to say it's a one, one draw between RSL and Houston. Uh, take that with a grain of salt as the state of RSL as of right now. But uh, that's what I'm gonna go with a one, one draw. That would make y'all the first team to score on us at home. And I'll tell you what, Stranger things have happened. What was it last year? There we played somebody. They had they didn't have a goal from open play at all, and they scored twice on us. So who knows, well, man? Who knows? But anyway, boys and girls, my name is Finn. Eldie's been our guest. Uh, thanks for stopping by, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, go Dynamo. He's got Ferreira at the far post. Can he get a shot off? It's Ferreira to get a second. Yes, he does. Goes in off the hands of JT Marcinkowski. Thomas Ferreira has picked up the second. It's 4-2 Houston Dynamo. Big shout out to my favorite band, Familiar with Failure, for the introductory music. You can find them at FWFTX on all social media platforms. Once again, that's Familiar with Failure. Check them out. Badass band. Cool ass people.